You're listening to Ed Curation, the podcast where teachers talk curriculum. We make it easier for educators to find the resources they need to create fresh, lively, and authentic learning. So I am so excited to introduce one of the smartest people I know to the Ed Curation podcast today, Tara Gilboa. Tara and I work together at the Colorado School Minds, and she has a long history of designing outstanding learning for learners in multiple settings, starting with K-12 Spanish students. Is that right? That's right. I started off as a Spanish educator. Thanks for coming to the show, Tara. How are you doing today? I'm doing amazingly. I happen to be sitting in the Innovation Center in St. Vrain Valley School District and just had a tour and a lovely meeting. So I'm on cloud nine, both to be here on this podcast and because I'm in this like really innovative design space right now. That's awesome. So tell our listeners about how long you've been working in education. Sure. I have been working in education for over 10 years. I accidentally became a teacher. I was still in my doing my undergraduate degree at Oberlin College, and I began teaching Spanish in the school district there through this program called Spanish in the Elementary Schools. And so I began teaching biweekly Spanish classes and kind of developed my career and passion in second language acquisition and language instruction and what that looks like. I have since then taught undergraduate classes, I've worked in professional development, and have gotten more into educational technology and learning design and things of that nature. And now I find myself at the intersections of user experience as it applies to designing great learning programs and learning experiences. So been a little bit all over the map and have been at it for a really long time. That's exciting. So we share a similar path. I knew we had a lot of things in common, but I didn't know that you started teaching while you were working on your undergrad, which I did too. And it was the same story. It was, I didn't plan to teach. I needed a job in college and I got this great one teaching this summer program and I just loved it. So here we are. That's so funny. Yeah, I remember I was on the steps of some building and this guy walked up to me who was teaching fifth grade Spanish. He was like, oh, I heard you speak Spanish and you studied abroad and I need a co-teacher. You have to do this with me. And I was like, oh, I do, do I? And I just loved it. And so I subbed teaching with him. And then I even, my senior year was working on the fourth grade curriculum for the entire district. And it was a lot of fun. I loved it. And so even though you're not in the classroom as a teacher anymore, you've stayed in the field of education. Tell everyone about what you like about working in education. You know, as of this morning and just walking through this center, which is like brought so much light to me, I was literally on cloud nine with my jaw to the ground walking through the um, Innovation Center in St. Vrain. I love the mess. I love seeing all of the kids prototyping and playing and just exploring the world and how to be part of our community. And that really lights me up as an educator. And as a language educator, I loved also the opportunity to bring community to my classroom and be part of something greater than myself, help individuals learn and grow, fall in love with cultures and languages. So many things. What was the question? (laughs) (laughs) That's goodness. What do you like about working in education? But since you have worked in a variety of roles and most recently as a learning experience designer, you have a unique perspective on teaching and learning. So tell me overall what you've seen best works in helping students achieve. Listening to students, talking to your students. I think 
building a relationship really catalyzes growth. So when I think of students achieving, I think of, you know, someone having a learner-centered experience where their growth matters and they see that value for themselves. So for me, building a community, building relationships at the forefront can really propel student achievement in an authentic way, in one that feels good. Fantastic. And so over your years working as a foreign language teacher, tell us about the favorite curriculum tool or resource that helped with building community and relationships and providing a learner-centered experience. Absolutely. So the one I have been thinking about to share on this podcast is called Organic World Language. And it is more than a curriculum. It is almost like an uncurriculum. It's like this professional learning community of world language educators that have a really unique format to running a language classroom. And it was founded by Darcy Rogers. And when I was at Oberlin College and I had my first introduction to teaching a world language, I had the fortunate experience of working with Kim Faber and getting to experience Darcy herself teaching us the OWL format. And it's awesome. There are no tables. There are no chairs. I mean, there can be, but the goal of the classroom isn't to necessarily learn the second language. It's first and foremost to build a community and build relationships. And an outcome of that is, you know, you're always in the target language and language acquisition happens organically, hence organic world language. And so the OWL community is both a curriculum, a tool, a resource, a network of humans that practice these different ways of building communities through movement and play in a second language with high repetition and really pulling the curriculum from your students and really pulling out their stories and their experiences and the vocabulary lists that come from their lives and interweaving it. It's very PBL as well, very project-based for what can come out of those types of scenarios. And yeah, when I taught at CU Boulder, I was doing my master's degree and teaching Spanish 1010 and Spanish 1020. I'll never, ever forget how I was kind of doing a balance between Puntos de Partida, the textbook, and OWL. So I would have certain parts of my class structured, you know, according to the textbook and the quizzes I had to give, as well as prepping students for that final assessment, because we were an undergraduate degree program and had to follow that curriculum, but I would have parts of my classes that were fully OWL, fully organic, based on students' lives. And I'll never, ever forget my first semester teaching when it was exam. It was the exam period. And so, you know, students are stressed and they're not coming to class or whatever. But all my students came to Spanish class because they just wanted to do OWL to review everything from the whole year and have fun. And they said it was like relaxing and enjoyable. And like by the end of the semester, they felt like that full immersion in the circle was really helpful. It was the best. You know, the first semester was the best semester, but I'll never forget, like, exam week. They showed up. They really wanted to just chat in Spanish about all their other classes and have just, like, these, you know, level one conversations, but nonetheless, conversations about what was going on in their lives in Spanish. So that really was full circle for me, and one of the reasons why it was my favorite organic world language is one of my favorite curriculum tool resource just network of humans who care about teaching world language in this, you know, meaningful way. What have you seen become possible using organic world language that would not have been possible without it? So my 
first thing that came to mind when you said that, I actually started to think about particular students. I started to think of students who never really see themselves as second language learners or think learning languages is really hard or maybe have um, even a language learning disability in a second language. And so without it, this sense of like empowerment and community support and like different relationships even among those students to one another and how they see themselves, these things are kind of like the things that arise naturally from that environment that you don't design structurally for, but you put in place for it to happen. So going back to your question, you really see people come out of their shells, not just talking about achievement of like, have I learned the difference between Sarah and a star and are my points getting better and are my accents better? But like, how am I like growing as a human and what is learning this language teaching me about myself? And that type of opportunity is designed into the experience kind of implicitly. It's so fun. It's just fun. Like, I remember watching videos and talking with Darcy and Annie about how, like, when they would have sub days, the sub would just sit in the corner because they could pass a student the ball to just lead class because everybody knows what to do and exactly how it runs and it's fun. And it's like, yeah, it's a different level of empowerment. So tell us about how it runs. Tell us a little bit about that structure. Man, sure. It's been a while, but let's see. So one thing that is different, for example, than like doing different textbook exercises is you walk into the room and you start in a circle and you begin with greeting, saying hello, etc. And there's a lot of repetition and there's a lot of movement. So this is similar to TPR or TPRS, total physical response. But instead of it being necessarily aligned to a story or a storybook, it is aligned directly to the students' lives. So things can happen organically in that circle. You do a lot of pair work, you do a lot of switching around and a lot of practicing that vocabulary list that rises organically. And then when things happen and a teacher can kind of facilitate what's happening, like someone bumps into someone and then there's a description of that. And then that becomes the inside joke of the class. And then you don't know what you learned, but you just learned how to conjugate in the present tense. So like a lot of the grammar is arising organically, not explicitly. And there's a lot of repetition and moving around and being goofy and acting like animals. And just you're seeing a lot of students kind of listening, practicing the words over and over and just moving around. Have you ever seen like the human not... Like when you do that human knot and you're in a big circle and like you reach your hand across and yep. you like hold someone else. So that would be an example of a really fun organic world language activity where you might learn arriba, abajo, a la izquierda, a la derecha, go up, go down, to left, to the right, things like that. And you practice all of those. And then without any instructions, you're in the human knot and all you've got are those four words. And can you get out of it? And it's just laughter and you really need to practice what you need to practice for that real moment to do something with your community people right there right now, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So you told us about the college students coming to Spanish class, even during exam week. Exam week, yeah. Do you have any other stories about a particular success that you or a student was able to achieve learning with the OWL curriculum? I wouldn't say like a certain type of achievement or success as reported by an assessment score right or a grade but sure. a lot of like self-assessment that students have shared with me I had one student 
Cassandra, she was like, she was not going to be down for Spanish class. This was, she was a, a CU Boulder student and, you know, you have to take a certain number of word language credits to graduate, things of that nature. And that's why she was there. I believe she was a business major. Yeah, you know, in your first couple of weeks, you're getting a feel for getting to know your students. She was definitely not into the circle at first, but it's one of those stories that many of us as educators have experienced for then by the end of the class. She was for sure an advocate and really enjoyed it. And it wasn't that she decided to become a Spanish major or do the minor or anything of that nature. It was just that you could see her shift in her mindset about what she can accomplish and what type of language speaker she can be. And so she sticks with me. It's not that she stands out, but she definitely sticks with me for that subtle shift that that still matters. That's such an important thing to mention when we talk about learning second languages, because it's so much about motivation as much as content learning, right? I mean, as language instructors, we want students to want to communicate in a foreign language, not just have it be forced upon them to see the value, to not self-criticize when they don't get it exactly right, but to be willing to take a risk and make connections with other humans in other countries speaking other languages. And so, you know, especially in those early college language classes, it seems like that motivation piece is maybe even more important than the content learning itself. That's a great story to share. So if we have a listener to the show who is teaching foreign languages and wants to check out OWL, Do you know where they go? What do they do? What do they get? Yeah, if you want to check out OWL, well, there are a couple options. You can go to owllanguage.com. It's only one L, though. And that is a way to kind of like look for an upcoming workshop or learn about the methodology or watch some videos and examples. And Mm -hmm. in the workshops, so all of the curriculum like handouts are coupled with a workshop. So it's not something you really begin teaching until you've experienced it. So you have to experience it and immerse yourself in it to slowly understand and then break down how the structures arise. And you can kind of play with these different structures like they are Legos that you're rearranging, but they're the same series of Legos. And that's how you kind of build up the circle and break down the circle and pair students off and group them up. So owllanguage.com has like, They have workshops all over the world now and all across the U.S. And they do like district trainings and school trainings. And then they have like complementary materials that you take as handouts to help you kind of reinforce those structures once you've immersed yourself in them and then can connect back in your like school. Okay, I'm going to be doing OWL this way. It's going to be different than how we've structured like maybe history class or math class, but this is going to give them a really good brain break or brain workout in between those other classes so that when they then go to math or history, maybe they'll be okay for a little bit more sedentary time or a totally just different brain shift. And so there's also a Facebook group that's really active that I would recommend checking out, but I don't remember what it is because I deleted my Facebook. (laughs) Good for you. Good for you. Okay. But people can look for OWL language on the Facebook group. That's good to know. Mm -hmm. And does OWL language work for all foreign languages and all grades, or is it specific to certain languages and certain grades? That's a great question. Primarily, I believe when Darcy was working on it, I think she was teaching high school. So it originated with high schoolers. And I remember back in the day when she had first like piloted OWL, she noticed her test scores were actually significantly higher 
than the co-teacher who was using the textbook, even though she didn't have one. So it's still, even if you have an AP structured Spanish or world language curriculum of any sort, you can still use OWL in, throughout a high schooler's career. Also, is really, really fun to do with elementary and middle schoolers. So fun. I used an, some OWL methodology when I applied to teach at Peak to Peak Charter School in Lafayette, Colorado. And that demo went really well because I got the job and I OWLed only for like part of the class and the rest of the class I had kind of like an anticipatory set, a warm-up and some other structured grammar lesson, the difference between Sarah and a star. But yeah, elementary through high school and I know that OWL has been used in adult learning as well. You know, it has a little bit of a different rhythm. You still have to work with the group of people who's right there with you but it's been K through adult learning. And all languages like German or Chinese or Spanish? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There are some phenomenal Chinese OWL teachers. If you go to ACTFL, the American Council for Teaching Foreign Languages, it's like the national big summit of world language teachers in the U.S. And you go to ACTFL, like 10,000, I don't know how many people attend yearly. And you go to the owl circles, they will like take over these big booth areas and just make circles of like 50 people all yelling in Chinese and doing all these fun things. And you can't miss them at Aqful. It's super fun. And yeah, there are teachers of all sorts of languages who use owl. That's exciting. It's super fun. Is there anything you'd like to say to the designer of this product? You told me her name, Darcy. Darcy Rogers. Darcy Rogers. Is there anything you'd like to say to her? Thank you for inspiring me to become a world language educator and definitely helping set me down this path. And Kim Faber at Oberlin College for bringing Darcy in to really elevate the opportunities for both student teachers to learn about this, but also for the students in the district who get to have awesome classes. And Shout out to Annie Tyner as well, who is a big part of bringing OWL to the world as well. She's awesome. And yeah, for including me and supporting me and definitely helping me kind of not just become an educator, but really think about, okay, at the end of the day, we want to build authentic community. We want to catalyze really healthy relationships. How do we embed that into the design of a curriculum, not just the learning outcomes? What do you think is next for curriculum developers to be paying attention to kind of build that community and build relationships? What curriculum resources and tools do you think are still needed in K-12 education? Absolutely. That one was came straight to my mind would be UX. So you hear UX, what is that user experience? It's this producty tech type of lingo. But when you think about it, it's just learner experience or the human-centered design process. So when it comes down to design and curriculum, we've so heavily relied on instructional design and backwards design planning. And at the end of the day, if you just talk to your learners and learn to iterate in the moment, which is like the fundamental basis of OWL is learning how to iterate in the moment, you are able to co-create a learning experience that is authentic and meaningful. So UX is next, user experience is next, learner experience design, human-centered design is what is next for really impeccable curriculum. And in order to do that well, we need impeccable relationships between teachers and curriculum designers that's more iterative and like more closely knit and is not just vendor, seller, consumer relationship, but a co-creator relationship. I think that's how this St. Rain Amazing Center got made because it is gorgeous. 
Well, exciting, Tara. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. We're excited to learn what's next for all the world language teachers out there and for you as you go forward and work on blending user experience design with instructional design and learn your centered design. So thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for having me, Timory. See you soon. Thank you for listening to Ed Curation. We hope you learned something today about a curriculum resource that produces fresh, lively, and authentic learning. Check out edcuration.com to find out more. That's E-D-C-U-R-A-T-I-O-N.com.